welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I'm a special education teacher, a gentle parenting author, and a proud world schooling mother to two amazing children, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who is three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to an amazing woman, mother named Tanya Hackney. Hello, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, it's nice to be on your show. Uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to come and talk to you about world schooling and peace and um, living on a sailboat and all the other things we're going to dive into. Yes, I'm super excited to hear all about your experience as a world schooling family. Um, But to get us started, can you share a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Sure. Uh, uh, My husband and I are high school sweethearts. We rode the school bus together a long, long time ago. Uh, He's from a sailing family. I am not. Uh, But as newlyweds, we took a trip on his parents' uh, sailboat. And it sparked a desire in us to do something different. And so even though we were yuppies in Atlanta with, you know, a house and two cars and 2.5 kids and all the normal things, we kind of went back to our childhood dream of, you know, sailing away and this experience we'd had as young people. And little by little, by hook or by crook, we ended up selling our house in Atlanta and then buying a smaller house in Florida. And then after we had, you know, figured out what we wanted to do, pursued uh, living on a boat and we ended up selling that house and, uh, and all of our stuff and moving aboard a sailing catamaran with our then four children under eight. And we did some traveling and then uh, had a fifth child who was born aboard the boat. And that was 10 years ago. And in that time, we've traveled thousands and thousands of miles and schooled our kids uh, up and down the East Coast of the United States, in Florida, all over the Caribbean. And, um, and we now have teenagers aboard. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. I have never met anyone before that has that lives on a boat. So this is a, a new experience for me. And I am so excited to learn more about your life and what that looks like for you. Um, I'm curious, what made you decide or what inspired you to want to sell everything that you have, let go of that American dream of the house with the cars and the white picket fence and, you know, the children and everything to give all that up in order to live with your children on a boat? It's probably a combination of things that we wanted and things that we didn't want. I think sometimes you find your path circuitously. You don't realize what it is that you deeply want until you discover what it is you don't want. Mm. Um, I had been a public school teacher. And so one of the things I did not want was I did not want to stick my kids inside uh, a system. I think that we need a strong public education system, but it felt very broken to me. And I loved teaching um, children to read. I was a kindergarten teacher and I thought that I wanted the privilege of doing that with my own children. Also, we loved to travel and, you know, and we're looking for ways to do that kind of sustainably. Uh, So 
the, the sailing specifically happened partly because of my husband's love for the water, but also because we read books and magazines and we learned that there were other people doing life this way. Um, of course, it's a much longer story than that. But in the end, we really, we, we had the American dream and we were a bit bored by it. We were feeling a little unfulfilled. We thought, you know, there's this, this track and this expectation where you, you go to school, you get good grades, you get into college, you get married, you have children, you save your money, um, you take a vacation every year, uh, you stash a bunch of, you know, money and dreams for later, you send your kids off to college, and then you get to travel and pursue some of those dreams um, when you're retired, and then you die. And mm -hmm. this, this didn't look very attractive to us for lots of reasons, because life is unpredictable, because you know, maybe you wait all those years to do these things that you want to do, and maybe you're sick or you're caring for an aging parent or, you know, life interrupts. And so we wanted to do those things while we were young yeah. and could enjoy them with our family. That's wonderful. Um, I, I definitely can relate to your, your story because, you know, I'm a public school teacher as well. And that was a, a similar feeling that I had when I had my own children was that, I really didn't want my child to be in the public school system. And I saw so many of the problems and issues from the inside. Um, and I, I, I didn't want her to be a part of that kind of toxic environment that I was experiencing. And as well, you know, because I was a reading teacher too, I wanted to be able to have that privilege of teaching my own daughter how to read. Um, and so I definitely can relate to that of, you know, being in that system, but at the same time wanting something different, wanting something more. Um, and I love that you guys have committed to living a life that you love right now and not feeling like you have to wait until you're 65, you know, and retired to be able to do these things that you like, but you guys just literally dove right into the water and went for it, you know, um, that's wonderful. And, and I know that that was, you know, sailing was something that you and your husband wanted to do. I'm wondering what was that transition like for, for your children to go from going to school or did, did they ever go to school or, or, or what was that like for them transitioning to like, no, they, uh, they never did. So we transitioned so early that they did not have a chance. They never, they never stood a chance. They were never normal. They never had a normal life. Um, we moved away from our sort of, we, we did the U-turn from uh, suburbia when our oldest was three. And so we were still, uh, we still had, you know, a, we had a one, a two and a three-year-old. And we began with our five-year plan at that point. And we decided to homeschool in part because we didn't want to have to yank them out of a normal life. And so we started homeschooling even before we bought the boat, just oh, so wow. that so that we would, they would be adjusted to that part. And I'm actually very grateful for that because the transition itself is hard enough mm -hmm. from moving on, you know, on land to the boat without adding in a bunch of other transitions at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it isn't an easy transition. And we had what, what I would call shrinking pains, you know, the opposite of growing pains where you're divesting yourself of you know, more than just your stuff. It's like a whole way of life that you're rejecting. You're changing your friend group. You're changing your literal environment. You know, certainly once you start traveling, you're changing your literal environment all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and we did it with four kids under eight. It would have been hard. You know, life would have been hard and challenging if even if we'd stayed at a house, if we had that many small children. So we just thought we'd add another layer of complexity by <laughs> stuffing them all on a boat. <laughs> you know, and going on a trip. Uh, it, it wasn't really their dream, but I don't think they were old enough to, to know that. They, they thought we were going to be like a gang of pirates. It was all just a big adventure at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, they definitely have opinions about it now. Mm. They're all teenagers and, you know, teenagers have opinions about everything. And since there are five of them, you could get five different viewpoints. Um, uh, what yeah, are they, some of them hated and uh-huh. What I'm curious, what do they, what do they love and what do they not like? Um, our oldest probably loved it the most. He has transitioned off the boat. He's 20 and he's independent now. And he's now saying that he misses the travel and he misses that life. Um, he traveled really well and he never got seasick. 
Um, he loves the water. He loved to free dive and go hiking and uh, jump from waterfalls and go cliff jumping. And like all of that really, really appealed to him. Um, he's a bit of an introvert. And so he wasn't really missing the social engagement. You know, it wasn't that we didn't have social engagement. It was just different than if, than if we had stayed on land. Um, our second son gets horribly seasick. Mm. And so we didn't know that when we bought the boat. And mm. that has certainly changed the way that we travel and the weather that we travel in. Um, you know, one of the reasons why we have not crossed an ocean is I don't, he, he would not be on board for that. He, that would not be an enjoyable experience, even with medication, mm. you know, it's, it's not ideal. Um, and then I have a daughter that's now a teenager and she traveled with us well for a while and then she was ready to come back and be with friends and do some normal things. And then the youngest two lived on the boat their whole lives and they don't really know anything different. And so they are probably the happiest on the boat. Uh-huh. That's amazing. So, um, so you've been homeschooling this whole time. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering like how, I guess, like logistically, how does that work? Like, how do you get food? How do you survive? Like how, how does life work living on a boat full-time? I guess the easiest way to sum that up without giving you all of the boring details of the (laughs) day-to-day is to say that everything is a little bit harder. So if you think about in a house, you might you know, throw in a load of wash, um, do some school with your kids, run to the store, swap the wash, you know, maybe go to the park in the afternoon. On a boat, you kind of plan for one thing a day. It'll be grocery day. And if you're traveling, then grocery day means um, getting your bags and getting in the dinghy and zooming ashore and walking around town, maybe multiple places to try and get the supplies that you need, bagging everything up. Maybe you have, I have a wagon. Sometimes I'm dragging the grocery grocery wagon, getting back to the boat, loading everything back in the dinghy, um, zooming back to the boat, unloading everything into the boat, and then, you know, finding all the nooks and crannies where everything goes. It takes hours and hours. There's no hop in the car, run to the store for something. Um, That changes. If we're docked somewhere, it's a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not, it's not far from the truth. It's, it's usually you plan for one thing a day. Same thing with laundry. If you're doing laundry by hand, or if you're taking it ashore to a laundromat, um, after our fifth was born, we ended up buying a washing machine for the boat and upgrading our water maker. And that makes life a little easier, but we're still hanging laundry on the line. So everything takes takes a little bit longer. Mm. Um, schooling in one, it's, it's a one-room schoolhouse, but you can imagine, you know, with five kids within 10 years, some of them were studying some of the same subjects and we can kind of lump history or science. But, at, you know, at some level, you've got somebody, you know, learning to read and somebody learning algebra, and that's really hard to do all in one place. So everybody kind of tries to find a nook and a cranny or you know, uh, soundproof headphones with music to try and find some space. Yeah. But I think homeschooling is one of the hardest things that we do. Mm. And um, it's really hard to maintain that consistency. I guess the main benefit from living the way that we live would be the travel, the travel aspect of our edu- of their education. I think that, that that made all the things, all the hardship worth it. Yeah. I Just mean- that opportunity. There, there's so much that you learn when you're experiencing these real life experiences that your children are able to have and being able to travel the world and experience different places and different cultures and countries and things like that. Where in the world are you guys right now? Uh, we are currently in the Florida Keys. We came back from the Caribbean in uh, 2019. We had been gone for a little over three years mm-hmm. and, uh, it was time for our teenagers to start thinking about what they wanted to do next and you know, pursuing their own adventures. So uh, we were not grounded by COVID. We had friends who were kind of stuck in different places in the world uh, yeah. when everything changed. Um, so as much as I want to blame COVID for you know being stuck in one place for a while, it's actually more because we have teenagers and they have cars and jobs and friends and we're stationary for a while until we get them situated. And then we would love to travel again with the mm-hmm. two younger kids. 
Oh, that's awesome. So you just kind of park your boat somewhere in Florida and the kids are able to work and do their things. And then they just come back on the boat in the evening or how does that work? Um, it really, it just depends day to day. Uh, during the hurricane season, we usually try and find a secure place uh, to hook up. Uh, we're in a kind of a safe little corner in a canal uh-huh. uh, tied to a dock just so that we can get some air conditioning. It gets really, really hot in the summer in Florida. So that's for our own um, sanity and uh, ability to sleep and get along well. So we're, we're tied to a dock. So if somebody needs to go play basketball, they can just hop off the boat. Um, during, during the winter when we might be anchored or moored somewhere, then that means uh, scheduling a dinghy run ashore. So you mm-hmm. might be dropping off or picking up somebody and you have to try and coordinate activities and jobs and laundry runs and grocery runs and uh, it can get challenging for sure. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you manage all these different things? You know, I, I'm assuming you all are, are working as well, or I mean, you're working, raising kids, homeschooling, doing all these extra steps to be able to get groceries on the dinghy and things like that. How do you balance and manage all these different aspects of your life? Oh, that is, that's a really good question. Uh, Sometimes we do it well and sometimes not so well. It is certainly not easy whenever I want to complain about it. I think, you know what, I could have stayed in the house and made everything easier. So (laughs) I chose this. I chose this. Uh, One thing that makes it easier is that my husband works full time. Um, He's a digital nomad. And so I do not have to worry about, you know, bringing home the bacon. That means that leaves me free to think about, uh, you know, whole food diet and food prep and managing homeschool and curriculum and uh, social engagements and then helping, you know, supporting the kids in whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. It means that even though my husband and I are kind of operating in separate spheres, very like, maybe not exactly like June and Ward Cleaver, but somewhat more traditional roles where he's really concentrating on work and I'm really concentrating on managing the family. Um, it leaves us free to do what we're really good at. And his income has made it so that we could continue, you know, to live this way and travel while earning an income, as opposed to maybe saving up for five or 10 years and then taking, you know, a one-year break. That's another way that some people do it. Mm. Um, I'm really glad we've been able to make a, a lifestyle of it. It has been very, very rewarding. That's, that's amazing. Um, and I think you have a really interesting perspective too, because your children have grown up on this boat. I mean, you've been doing this, you know, 10 years now. So you have a lot of experience seeing your children grow over the years and now they're, they're graduating. Um, I know a lot of people are, are worried, um, that their children won't be able to learn what they need to know in order to be successful if they're not in that traditional school or in a traditional school setting, what would you, what would you say to someone that might have their concern that their kids won't be able to be successful or won't be able to learn if they're not in a traditional school? So I think the first thing that we have to do is ask what success means. I think people sometimes make assumptions and fail to, to define their terms. And so the first thing you might want to do is define your term. What does success look like for you? And for us, the, you know, we had what the traditional definition of success is. We had the American dream. We had it and we felt empty and unfulfilled. And we felt like there was this deep calling on our lives that we weren't heeding and that we were just treading water. And we saw everybody around us kind of just in this lifestyle of of stuff and consumerism and keeping up with the Joneses. And if that's how you define success, then um, selling all your stuff and moving onto a boat or an RV is not going to make you successful. Our, our, uh, our blog, <laughs> the little byline says that we bought the boat to slowly go broke while showing our kids the world and having a great time. Of course, <laughs> now I'm like, why did you, why did we write that? Why didn't we write like slowly enrich ourselves? <laughs> but it's true, like we are not socking away money for retirement. We're spending our retirement now. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we turned the word up success upside down. I, I think what would, what I would consider success is raising people who know how to love each other, that know how to be good parents, to raise, you know, hopefully raise 
you know, decent human beings in the next generation, um, people who know how to work hard, even mm -hmm. if, you know, the work isn't white collar work, that, that know the value of a day's work and are willing to, you know, reap the benefits of hard work. Um, people that are both intelligent and kind and well-rounded. I think we just changed our definition of success. Now, I'm reluctant to brag because, you know, the proof is still in the pudding. My oldest just moved off the boat so far. He's doing all right. And then my youngest is 10. And so uh, it was very affirming when we came back from the Caribbean. They had never sat in the classroom or taken a standardized test or done any of those things that I had done growing up. Um, and yet when we came back, they were able to pass a, a college entrance exam and they did dual enrollment at a local community college. Wow. Um, you know, pretty much from the get-go. And so up until that moment when they took that test and sat in their first classroom, I was sweating. I will not lie to you. I was like, this is a big experiment. I hope we were successful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that too. I mean, my daughter is, my daughter's seven. So I'm at the beginning of this homeschooling journey for myself, but I, I can tell, you know, even for me, I feel like that would be a big, not a concern necessarily, but I feel like I would be curious to see like, how this plays out for my child, you know, these choices that we've made to homeschool and to do, um, you know, in, in my case, we are unschoolers. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely a different approach when it comes to learning. And so I'm curious to see how it plays out for her. Um, but, you know, you're, you've graduated too already, right? Yeah. Yes. Technically my, my 19 year old is still finishing. He's finishing his AA and his high school requirements simultaneously. So um, but yeah, he'll be, he'll be done very soon. And, what and, and but again, with the whole get, like success thing. So, um, so they're a little delayed for some of the benchmarks because we were traveling while they were in high school. Um, but in other ways, they're, they're really ahead of the game. Like the way that they can relate to adults is very different. I've noticed um, the, they have friends that are, you know, from two to 92, they are in a sense, uh, socially adapt uh, in a wider culture than you would be if you had spent your, you know, your school years just with a group of peers. Yeah. And then, you know, my, like my 19 year old is rebuilding an old Ford truck and he has these amazing um, skills that he wouldn't have had if he'd been sitting in a classroom this whole time. So yeah. I, it's so hard, very hard to balance. Like I have a 10 year old who um, you know, still sometimes struggles with her math facts, you know, her multiplication facts, but the girl can make homemade tortillas by oh, herself, you know, in my galley. And so that you're like, well, how do we measure this? How do we measure what's successful? No, I think that's absolutely brilliant. And you're right. You know, a lot of times we, we have this picture in our mind of what success looks like, but it is, it's important for us to really ask ourselves that question of what does success mean for me? What does success look like for me? Um, and then also taking it that step further that even my own definition of success, that may not be my, my child's definition of success. You know, what, what success looks like for them might be totally different than what it looks like for me. And I have to be able to be okay with that. Um, and that if at the end of the day, she's happy and fulfilled in the way that she's investing her life. Um, you know, I, I think, I think that's what counts at the end of it, you know, like we each have our own life and, um, and it's beautiful that you guys are living your dream right now. And you're not having to wait until you retire to be able to do these things that you love and your kids are, are learning as you go and, and having a, it sounds like they're having a wonderful life. Um, you know, being able to share in the yeah, event. I hope so. Yeah, I really, I hope that because there were hard things, you said, what are some of the, the good things and some of the bad things? There were hard things and you taking teenagers, you know, maybe away from things that, uh, that you think teenagers really need, like groups of friends, um, regular connections with family members. Like if we sail away for a long time, we're, you know, in some, some way disconnected um, or taking them out in rough weather or taking them to third world countries, taking them outside their comfort zone or surrounding them with people that don't look anything like them or speak the same language. All of those things are sometimes uncomfortable, but I do feel like there's going to be some perspective. Perspective is one of those things that takes some time. So 
with a little distance, for example, my, my parents used to drag us on road trips all over the place. And I remember being a teenager and I want, I had a, wanted to have a summer job and my dad insisted that we drive to Niagara Falls one summer. And I was really annoyed about it. And I was probably not very nice on that trip. But looking back, I'm, would I prefer to have had that trip with my family or have worked a summer job? Absolutely, those family mem memories are valuable to me now. And so sometimes we drag our kids around, you know, maybe it's not exactly what they wanted to do, but I also know that with some perspective, they'll look back and, and be thankful for some of the experiences that we had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your favorite place that you all have been to? Well, of course, there are seven of us, so you could get seven different answers. Probably <laughs> my favorite, uh, I'm going to go for my favorite island, is uh, a little place called uh, Providence, Providencia. It is an island that belongs to Colombia. Um, its English name was Grand Old Providence. I think that's what it is. Anyway, uh, it's, it is off the coast of Nicaragua, kind of in the middle of the Western Caribbean. Uh, so if you were sailing north from, say, Panama on your way to Grand Cayman, it would be kind of halfway there. And it's this beautiful little island that's hard to get to. Um, the people are warm and welcoming. It kind of reminds me of the old stories of the Caribbean before there were cruise ships. A mm. uh, tiny little place, but it was just a place where we made a lot of personal connections with um, people on shore, with other sailors. It had beautiful crystal clear water and hiking. And uh, just, we made some really wonderful memories there. So that's one of my favorite places, just because it's a little bit of an out of the way place. Mm -hmm. But we also love um, anywhere with, you know, crystal clear water. We love Grand Cayman. We loved uh, Bonaire comes to mind. Of course, we love the Bahamas. That's kind of in our own backyard. Uh, and the Bay Islands of Honduras. <laughs> I, I can definitely relate. I um, So I live in Maryland. I live like 20 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. And so, you know, growing up, the only beach that we ever really went to was the Atlantic Ocean, which um, is not the nicest. You know, it's brown and yucky water um, cold all the time. And, and, uh, we moved to Georgia for a little bit. So I, I, I'm familiar with the Atlanta area and we would go on trips for the weekends or whatever, go to Destin and vis visit, you know, the panhandle and Florida. And I'm like, after you've been to these clear water beaches and stuff, it is so hard to go back to the East coast beaches and see them because it's, I mean, they're just, they're beautiful. You know, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And, um, and that's, I mean, that's really cool that you guys are able to just live in that, you know, where people want to vacation, that's just where you live. <laughs> yeah, that's a very different perspective, too, because we're not really tourists. Um, in the sense, I, you probably understand if you, obviously, you're world schooling, <laughs> that you're not coming as a tourist with sort right. of a consumeristic view. You're not visiting um you know, the emerald shop in every cruise ship port. <laughs> I don't know why there's an emerald shop in every cruise ship port, but there seems to be. Um, you're, you're there in a way to interact in a, in a much different way. And you want to invest and you want to find out how do the locals live? What is this place really like? And you're sort of peeling back those layers. And the longer you spend in a place, you know, the more you understand, you know, the, complex, the complexity of different places. Yeah. And, and you're, in some ways, just getting a completely different view of those places. So yes, people look at us and think that we're, you know, living this like vacation life. It's not really a vacation at all. It's, you know, <laughs> here's a definition of boating, fixing your boat in exotic locations. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, you know, we're, repairing the boat and homeschooling the kids and trying to figure out how to get groceries and where to do laundry and how to meet up with different people, you know, in these different places. And it is really, really amazing. It is, you get a, a picture of these places that you can't get um, from the deck of a cruise ship or a resort, or even if you rent a house for a few weeks, yeah. it's, it's a deep and good look at a place. And some of it is, is nice and some of it is not nice because that's life. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I really appreciate you making that distinction between traveling as a tourist versus traveling as a world schooler. Um, that you're right, it is a totally different focus and a different goal. You know, like when we travel in these different places, we're not trying to to be the tourist. We really want to experience what a normal daily life would be like for the people that are living there and kind of join them in their normal life as much as possible. Um, I, I know being on a boat, of course, isn't normal life for most people, um, but being able to to be in these different places and and ha- make those connections with local people, I think is is so important and such a valuable opportunity for us to be able to learn and, and grow um, as we experience the world through the eyes of the people that are actually living there. Um, and I know a lot of people, when they think about homeschooling, one of their biggest fears or concerns is that their children will not be able to make friends, have relationships. Um, A lot of people are terrified that homeschool kids won't be able to socialize. And um, I'm wondering, you know, since you are in a boat and you guys are traveling around so much, how does that work for your children to be able to cultivate friendships and relationships with people all over the world, maybe that don't even speak the same language as them? So there's different seasons in our life um, and different kinds of friendships that we cultivate. So one of the, I think, fortunate things that we've been able to do because we've been doing it, we do it as a lifestyle and not just as a trip, um, is that we often come back to the same place twice or three times regularly. Um, Part of the reason why we settled in the Florida Keys this time is because we have a wonderful homeschool community here that we had you know, we, we would spend a month here, two months here, six months here, as maybe as long as a year, and really dig deep with some of the friendships. And so our kids looked forward to coming back whenever we would come through town, we would, you know, reconnect with these friends. So our kids actually have some deep old friendships. And that's a really, that's a really wonderful thing to have balanced with the new friendships. And when you're sailing, I'll see there's a a chapter in in the book that I wrote called ships passing in the night. And it's about friendships that you make when you're a sailor. And sometimes you are literally ships passing in the night, you know, one of you is going north and the other one is going south. And maybe you connect it maybe you know, maybe you overlap for a day or two, or maybe you don't. And you're, you're always connecting and disconnecting and saying hello and goodbye, sometimes in the same breath. And you're always meeting new people. But I love that having that balance of meeting the new people and also returning to the um, to the old friendships, mm-hmm. and and then of course there's the make uh, you know the makeshift friends that you make ashore where you and sometimes we've made some really deep connections that that are long lasting friendships. My sons were volunteering at an um, orphanage in Guatemala. Oh, it's run by a dear friend of mine, and they were uh, they were digging uh, a pit. <laughs> they were just digging this giant pit. It ended up being a boat slip, but digging in the mud and they were digging alongside um, some local guys. And um, my son, Aaron, in his, you know, budding Spanish made friends with, with one of the guys that was digging and they've kept in touch. And that's been a really cool thing that, that happened was, you know, despite language barrier, despite socioeconomic differences, despite, you know, us being a visitor and them being, you know, there's that us, them in any kind of uh, tourist destination, especially, we have somehow been able to make those connections. And that's a very rich and wonderful part of our lives. Wow. That's really cool. And um, I I think it's awesome how you, well, you, first of all, you mentioned your book. Um, I would love to hear more about that. Tell us more about this book that you've written. Well, I was always a writer. I We've been blogging since 2008, which is the year that we first bought the boat. Uh, we moved aboard in 2009, and we have written about that whole experience um, as a family. So some of, you know, I did much of the writing, but everybody kind of contributed. And then a couple years ago, it's more than a couple years ago, when we were kind of at the end of our Caribbean travels, I had this idea Um, to write about what we were doing, but I didn't want to rewrite the blog and I didn't want to write a how-to book because that actually has been done. There are great books out there if you ever want to learn to sail or go sailing with your family. Someone else has written that book. I wrote a book about life lessons, um, Mm -hmm. about all the things that we learned the hard way. I, I do feel like not everybody has to go sailing 
to have the benefit of, of the things that we learned while we were out on the ocean. Uh, and so I wrote a book. Each chapter is a different nautical idiom that kind of lines up with a different life lesson. Mm -hmm. And that book is going to be released on October 31st. Oh, and, um, how fun. Was, yeah, I'm well, really excited well, about that. I'm really excited about that too. That sounds like a really interesting take on it and being able to, you know, not just write the how-to book, like you mentioned, but taking those lessons that you learned. And I'm sure those are lessons that could apply to anyone, anywhere, whether you're on a boat or on the land. Um, and I'm curious, can you share maybe some of those lessons from your, your book? I know you mentioned the ships passing in the night um saying which I really like you know considering thinking about friendships in that way of ships passing in the night um but what is another one of those lessons that you wrote about that you would like to share um sure uh there are idioms that we use in everyday speech but probably don't really think about the literal meanings so I guess what sparked the idea for the book was I found this list of nautical idioms and I realized that when you say something like rocking the boat or uncharted waters, that has a very deep and literal meaning to me. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think maybe something like battening down the hatches, you know, batten down the hatches is something that people might say when they're preparing for some hardship or, you know, some economic hardship that might be coming. Um, but batten down the hatches is something we literally do when we see a storm coming or, you know, when, when it's getting ready to rain, you I ring the bell and everybody comes running and we dog all the hatches. We secure them so that they're not leaking and so the rain isn't coming inside. The boat. So um, things like that, where I talk about the, the literal stories, whether it's, um, I'm looking at my table of contents here, um, whether it's troubled waters, um, you know, literally or figuratively, I tell some sea stories, but that applies to the figurative troubled waters, like what we do, how we learn patience, mm. um, how we learn flexibility, how we learn to face our fear uh, with faith, and how we continue to be optimistic even when things are difficult, um, and then how we let go when, we, you know, when we, uh, when we've made this amazing memory and we've made this you know journey together the you know the story kind of begins when jay and i are in high school and we're thinking about you know rocking the boat and doing something unusual and it kind of ends when our kids are the same age that we were when we were dreamers mm. and we have to then let go of our dream and let them pursue their dream wow. and it, you know it kind of covers that whole spectrum of life yeah, from beginning when you're the one that's creating this dream and then living it out and then that letting go part at the end. I feel like that is so, it's so difficult. It's so hard to, to let go um, of our children. But, you know, what, a, what an amazing gift for us to be able to send them out into the world um, with all these beautiful lessons that you've taught them. Um, all these incredible moments that you have been able to share and these life skills that they've learned over the years, being on this boat with you, learning, traveling around the world together. And then now they get to move forward and create their own dreams and their own life and their own, um, you know, their own idea of what success is going to look like for each of them. That's really beautiful. Um, I'm wondering too, so you said your book will be released on October 31st and what is, um, what is the title of your book again? Um, the book is called leaving the safe Harbor, the risks and rewards of raising a family on a boat. And, um, right now it's up for pre-order on Amazon. So if you're interested in reading a digital version, it's, um, at a great price for pre-order, it's uh, $1.99 at Amazon now. And then that, you know, gets um, downloaded automatically on the 31st. And if you want the paperback version, that will be available on the 31st as well. And then anywhere books are sold. That's awesome. Well, I will definitely um, make sure to include the links for that. So anyone who wants to purchase your book will be able to help support you in that. And I'm really, I'm excited to read it myself and learn a little bit more about life on a boat and the lessons that we can learn from all these sayings that we have over, over the years that are nautical related that a lot of times I think we're just not even aware that, you know, we're using these phrases that come from sailing, you know, and, and they're just things that were, they're not coming for us. Um, so. 
Well, lucky for you, I wrote the book for landlubbers. I was a landlubber. I was not always a sailor. So I tried to keep the sailing jargon to a minimum and um, define anything that was going to be confusing. But I, I really wrote it thinking more about people who might never have this experience or people who might, you know, maybe considering doing something um, different or risky and wondering how you, you know, get over your fear to do those things. I feel like the the book could have broad application um, for parents, for business owners, for homeschoolers, Mm -hmm. for anyone, you know, who wants to have an adventurous life, um, landlubbers or sailors. (laughs) that's wonderful thank you so much for sharing that book with the world I hope that you have have success with that and that you're able to you know make a difference in other people's lives through your words and through your inspirational life um I'm wondering what if anything would you have done differently you know that is such a hard thing to 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 answer it's a hard question to answer because one of the lessons that I learned was that even our mistakes, even our failures bring us so much understanding and teach us mm-hmm. so much that yeah. if I, if I stop and say, well, I regret this or that thing that just changing that one little thing would have brought me to a completely different place. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Looking back on it, um, I think maybe I was timid at the beginning. I think I'm definitely, uh, I definitely a big chicken. I'm not really an adventurous type. I had to really live a lot despite my fears. Um, sometimes I don't even bother to overcome the fears. I just do it even though I feel freaked out. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that scared us at the beginning when we bought this, you know, 48 foot wooden catamaran, uh, it was a scary, scary thought to move straight from the house to the boat. And so we did it in a series of baby steps really to try and, you know, mitigate our own nervousness and all of the unknowns and the learning curve. I think looking back on it now, we would have been fine if we had just, you know, sold the house, sold the stuff and maybe moved into a rental apartment. It would have been a good financial decision. You know, that these things are 2020. We sold a house in uh, 2009 and that was the worst possible time to sell the house because the housing market had collapsed. Mm-hmm. So if we had been a little gutsier, we could have played our cards a little bit better. Maybe we would have had a little bit more financial freedom, mm-hmm. um, but we were already living debt-free and um, you know, had only that mortgage, but we definitely would have been a little bit better set had we sold the house a year earlier, but we were, we were cautious adventurers. This is how I would describe us. We are mm-hmm. definitely cautious adventurers. We wanted to, you know, rock the boat, but not sink the ship. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, is there, what advice would you give to someone who has a dream or has a vision for their life, but they're not sure if it's possible? we first of all have to never discount those dreams. You know, we're, when, when we're kids, we're always telling our kids to follow their dreams and, you know, we're encouraging their imagination and telling them that all things are possible. And somewhere between childhood and adulthood, you know, those dreams get smashed and you realize, well, this isn't practical. Uh, This isn't, like you said, they think that maybe it's not possible. Well, a lot of things are possible but we have these self-limiting beliefs or we have our own fear to contend with, or we have societal pressure to deal with. I think, I think just having a crystal clear vision of what it is that you want, that's such a hard question to answer. You would think that it would be easy, but if you ask someone, what do you really, really want? You know, even if they say something like, I really want a nice car. Well, then you say, well, why, why do you want a really nice car? And you start asking all of those why questions and you start, you know, again, peeling back the layers of, of the why, the deep why question. I think if you can get down to what you really want and why you want it, Mm. then you're willing to give up some things to get that thing. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is to think about what you're going to say on your deathbed. I know that's a morbid thing to say, but if you live your life so that, you know, so that at the moment at which you have to meet your maker, you're able to say, 
I'm happy with the decisions that I made. Mm-hmm. I have no regrets. I mean, that's the way you want to live your life. You don't want to say, I wish that I had spent more time with my children. I wish that I had worked less. I wish that I had traveled more. I wish that I'd spent more time on the things that I loved. So, so as hard as it is to give up some of those things, those that everyone says that you need to have, when you view it through sort of the, I guess the, the telescope of life, like if you think about how fast life goes and how you know, how quickly everything goes and that someday you're, you're going to be saying goodbye. Yeah. You need to live now in a way that you'll have no regret when it's time to say goodbye. Yeah. That's, that's a a very powerful and poignant reminder for, for all of us to, to remember that. Um, I'm, what is your dream now? (laughs) Oh, yes. What is my dream now? Um, we, when we came back from the Caribbean, one of the things we had never done and had always wanted to do was take a family road trip. So we actually did a huge 8,000 mile, eight week national parks road trip this year, and we loved it. And so one of the, the thoughts for the future is possibly doing some time on an RV. Um, we would love to do some more sailing. Um, we've thought about going through the Panama Canal maybe with the youngest two kids, whether that means crossing the Pacific or going up into um, the Sea of Cortez, Baja, California. We have some different ideas as far as that goes. We would love to keep traveling. Um, We'd love to go back and visit some of the places that we loved as well. Um, Maybe go back to Guatemala for a while. That was a a wonderful chapter in our lives as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Really like I have had to set aside some of those things because we're at a season of life where we're trying to help our kids figure out what they want to do. And that mm-hmm. was part of that, that letting go for me uh, as a writer, I want to keep writing. So whatever, whatever happens next, I'll be writing it down. <laughs> well, we will be following along on your blog as you continue on this incredible journey. Um, I, I'm just, I, I'm in awe of the, the courage and the bravery that it takes to be willing to let go of this American dream and to pursue a life that you love right now and to be able to share that life with your children. I mean, you you and your family are such an inspiration. Um, and I'm so thankful that we have had the opportunity to connect with each other. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity um, just to tell my story, just a small piece of it anyway, that I feel like saying if a neurotic housewife and her workaholic husband could sell their stuff and move on to a boat with a bunch of little kids, then whatever it is that, that you dream of doing, it, it might be possible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It is. It's, it's definitely possible. But, you know, you said something that is so true. Like we have these ideas in our head that are possible, but we have to be willing to to make those sacrifices in order to have the things that we truly want in life and getting to that why that you mentioned of, of asking, why do I want the things that I want? Because ultimately the root desire is so much deeper than having just a car or having a house or whatever that surface thing is that we're wanting. Um, Because at the end of the day, I, I truly think that what people desire more than anything else, more than anything else is to have that connection, to have, relationships, to feel love, to be loved, to be able to love someone else, um, whether that be a spouse or our children or, or even the stranger that we meet in Guatemala, you know, um, but being able to have those moments of connection with another human being are infinitely more valuable than anything that we could ever have. That is so well said. It's so well said. And whether, and whether you find that connection the way that we did um, through, you know, the sailing community and through the travels that we did, or whether you find it by starting your own business or by, um, by starting a homeschool co-op or, you know, or by, you know, connecting with your family and living in a multi-generational setting, like there's so many different ways to find that connection, but to really like get down to that heart's desire and then, and then pursue it not just for the future, but right where you are, you know, while you're, while you're thinking about what's hap- what's going to happen in the future, like the place where you are right now, begin living that way as you're on your way to the next thing. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, we're talking about connection with other people. I'm wondering how can people connect with you? 
Um, we, if you are interested in the blog, it's a sailing blog at www.take2sailing.com and that's spelled out T-A-K-E-T-W-O sailing.com. Um, and that's kind of like the whole story from beginning to end. Um, obviously you can um, order my book, that would be amazing. Uh, and then we are also on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. I'm not probably the most consistent poster, but, but we're there. You can find us there. Great. And I will make sure that I include the links for all those different um, resources that she shared. And if you know of any resources that you could recommend, you know, in case there are people out there that are like, man, this sounds incredible. I would love to live on a boat and sail around the world with my kids or even just by myself. Um, you mentioned that there are lots of how-to books. So if you have any that you have read or that you recommend, um, please feel free to share that with me. And then I'll make sure that I put that in the notes as well. So people can have access to those resources. Um, in addition to all these other incredible resources that you've shared with us too. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to share that little, um, that little part of my life. <laughs> my pleasure. Thank you for sharing. Um, and I want to thank all of my listeners as well for joining us today for the Peaceful World Schoolers podcast. I hope that this episode has been a much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. Um, remember that there are new episodes that are released every Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss out on a single one. Um, and if you would like to support me and the work that I'm doing, please share this episode with your friends and your family and anyone else that you think would benefit from hearing this message, um, that, that we shared today. And also you're welcome to donate on my website, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. Thank you so very much. I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. If you like this video, please make sure you subscribe and click the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.